Welcome everyone to Overcome Podcast and um, today we have a very special guest here. She not only is an Olympic medalist and judo world champion, but she is Canada's, Canada's first Olympic medal in women's judo. Welcome to the show, Jessica Kinklade. Thank you for having me. Jessica, what a beautiful career and a lot of accomplishment in the last uh, years. Um, and I could go all over to the beginning of this journey when you were four. I read that you start very young. <laughs> so, but I want to, to talk a little bit about your prep to the Olympic Games um, because mm -hmm. you had an injury in the beginning. Uh, I think I think it was a in, uh, knee injury, right? And on top of that, is there was the whole COVID uh, difficult to train, and I, I listened to one of your interviews that uh, that you gave recently, actually this year after you got bronze on the worst judo, and you were talking about the ups and downs. So, tell us a little bit more about this injury. Was this doing a training? Was this doing a competition? Was uh, a single movement that caused this, or it was overuse? What really happened? Mm -hmm. um, to be honest, I'm not 100% sure which particular injury you're, you're talking about because... The, more than know, one? The, <laughs> yeah, I, I've had a couple to my knees. Um, there's two sort of major ones during the lead up to uh, the Tokyo Olympics. So the first one was actually at the 2019 World Championships. I felt really good really prepared like really wanted to get on the podium that day and it was actually in the warm-up where I over rotated and something in my knee sort of popped um, it was I think the meniscus but either way my knee was instantly swollen I couldn't put weight on it um, wow. you know and I'm expected you know to fight and I go over to my physio the team doctor and I'm trying to get her to tape it in certain ways that will kind of make it feel sufficient enough for me to step on the mat and fight. Um, but I knew, uh, you know, internally that the moment I stepped on the mat, uh, the mat, I would not be ready to fight as I normally do. Mm -hmm. So I just remember being in the tunnel, trying to go through my normal routine before I, before I compete. And you know, I, I can't even jump up and down. And if you know my style, mm -hmm. I'm, yep. I'm always jumping everywhere. So um, I think I lost that fight in 20, 30 seconds. Um, I just, or maybe a minute, you know, it was really quick. Um, and that was hard because, you know, I could have decided to not fight. But when you're in that, you know, yeah being an athlete you you just learn to push through things but i knew that i i wasn't you know but when when you ent entered that. the mat at that moment were you in pain since the beginning uh i would say no like the adrenaline sort of took over but the way that i fell um the way that she threw me you know i tried to put weight on my leg and it just couldn't couldn't withstand the weight and i couldn't defend so i sort of just popped over and she threw me for a pawn it was against a, a Russian player and you know that obviously was difficult because it was the last world championships before you know the expected Tokyo Olympics uh -huh. and my teammate had a really good day that day so well she had won so it was uh, definitely a difficult difficult day and 
if you want me to move forward to the the next injury, the next well, injury. Well, before we go um, there, when uh, yeah. after you finish and everything, how did you treat that injury? Uh, it was just uh, normal rehab, physical therapy, or did you have to do any type of uh, intervention? Uh, after after the World Championships, always, there's always usually a, a break. So I, you know, took my two weeks off, rested completely, stayed off of it, and. Uh, yeah, I had to go through phases of rehab and phases of strengthening, strengthening it, uh, just to make sure that it was ready again. And um, I'm not sure if I, I think I didn't compete until the winter. Um, I don't totally remember, but it wasn't a strenuous rehab. Mm-hmm. But the injury itself was enough to, you know, take me out of the competition that day, and it was probably the worst timing so yeah now, now yeah. we fast forward to the next one it was the same knee oh honestly I, I don't know i like i've had bursts on my knees i don't know which one is last and you know little meniscus things thankfully you know nothing serious like i've never had to have surgery or it wasn't ever a major ligament um but this next knee injury it was after after dusseldorf in 2019 and that was sort of when there was like whispers of COVID Mm -hmm. and nothing had quite yet shut down but I remember um yeah my knee my knee was really bad I felt like I couldn't train properly it was swollen it was irritating me and I went to see a physio and they're like oh you you should get an MRI like you should get this checked out and just two days later the world sort of shut down and COVID you know happened and training our center was closed tournaments started falling off of the IJF schedule and then eventually it was saying that the Olympics was postponed and it wasn't until uh, maybe five six months later that I was able to see a doctor and that we were able to see that yeah there was a meniscus tear so in the context of if that had if that year had ran normally with no um uh covid you know that was already march and i think the expected fight expected fight off was maybe supposed to be april or may so you know again i i'm not sure i would be able to prepare from that because the only thing that sort of helped my knee recover was the fact that there was no training because because of covid so and and yeah. during the, the the time throughout covid so all the gyms were closed did you try to stay a little active and doing some things on your own yeah definitely um i was really lucky to get some equipment some gym equipment and I didn't really do other than maybe elastics one or two times a week um I was doing a lot of physical preparation, things with the Olympic bar, um, circuits, lifting. So I was doing maybe about one to two hours of um, exercise Mm -hmm. per day. I think, you know, it it was impossible to stay true to the typical uh, training regime. So I felt like, you know, one to two hours a day, depending on what I wanted to do, was enough that you know, sort of kept me active and motivated, but then sort of, you know, it wasn't unrealistic too, because, you know, you can't really push yourself to where you want to be with 
with that circumstance. Right. And no judo or did you did you do any type of bands, uchikomi with bands and things like that? Um, yeah, I did. I had like uh, elastics, pretty good thick elastics. So it was, uh, yeah, I was doing that maybe every other day or like at least a couple times a week to kind of keep the movements and things like that. So if you think about a lot of your prep during this time, you know, envisioning the Olympics, you did on your own. Um, because after after everything was open it was very a short time until the olympics right yeah uh if you if you put it that way yeah i guess you know a, a large part of the year prior to the olympics i was training by myself probably not really thinking that it had anything to do with my preparation for the olympics oh really um, you never really thought uh, i will keep training because I, i have this vision to be there and you were doing just to stay in shape Well, you know, I, I, I knew I have to keep in shape for something. Did I know what it was? Did I know when it was going to be? No. Like, there were so many unknowns during that time. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I was training every day thinking we didn't even know when we were going to compete next. We didn't even know if the Olympics was happening. So it was really just uh, about finding some kind of training that left me – satisfied but not um you know like yeah it was i didn't think that i was preparing for a major event at that point i was just trying to get through day by day and keep things short term short term sort of vision and then comes the olympics you got bronze and uh i also remember watching one of the your interviews and you were sa you said that initially you were really sad missing the opportunity to get the gold but at the end of the day you were really proud and i think that that's the main feeling right i mean this is a really overcome situation for you to go through all that and then be able to be on top mm -hmm. yeah i think naturally and probably most athletes can relate you you um you're really hard on yourself when you don't perform to the capacity that, that you think you can, or, you know, when something so major like an Olympic gold medal feels like it sort of just slipped away from you. Um, and I remember losing that semifinal match and just feeling totally defeated and just sort of, you know, my motivation was, was really low. I didn't come there thinking that bronze was the best that I could do. So, and um, how did you put yourself together yeah. again to to regain motivation and come back stronger? Uh, well, it was a really quick turnaround because at the Olympics you have the semifinals and the finals and the repechage matches. They're all they're all condensed. So I lost that semifinals match, and I went back and I was getting interviewed, and that that was hard because uh, a lot of the the people interviewing me they didn't totally understand the sport, so they. We're like, oh, what happened? You look like you were winning. Why were you getting penalties? You were so active. And I was like, you know, still absorbing it myself and not really even knowing how to explain that sometimes it's the reality of the sport yeah. that, you know, people have different um, judgments of, of what's going on. So, um, yeah, I remember just going back to the warm-up area and just feeling really um, – defeated and I could see my opponent and she had just won her repechage match so naturally she's you know on a little bit 
probably more of an up than I am. And I had just recalled that on day one, I remember I went to watch the competition and I saw athletes that had lost their bronze medal or sorry, their semifinal match. And they had continued and they went on and they won their bronze, their bronze medal match. So they had lost their semifinals, big, big upset. They looked defeated just as I had felt, but they pulled things together and they won their bronze medal match and they stepped on the podium and they still had a smile on their Mm -hmm. face. So that's sort of where um, I put things into context a little bit and I sort of stepped outside of how I was feeling and um, figured that, you know, if I don't find some kind of motivation or push, then I'm going to lose the chance to like walk away with any of the glory at all to be on the podium. So that was sort of my motivation. Um, yeah. You know, to, to see if other people can be happy. I'm sure after the fact, I'll be pretty happy, much happier, obviously, than if uh, I'm on the podium yeah, or not and at it all. It was a huge deal for Canada, right? I mean, it was uh, yeah. the, the first time, uh, first Olympic medal, first yeah. bronze Olympic medal for a woman's judo. This is amazing. Mm-hmm. And I bet you that at that time, you didn't even think about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, well, slightly, but um, I don't. I don't usually, you know, when I enter competitions, I'm not like a win or lose, or you know, I have to get this result kind of person. I'm more so just like I really want to feel good that day, and I want to do good judo that day, and that's sort of you know, if I can do that, then things come together for a result. But that's um, great. So I wasn't because yeah, you don't put so you don't put pressure on yourself, right? Yeah, yeah, and I feel like, you know, when you think about win or lose, uh, you kind of skip the steps or the mental steps that you need in order to win, right? Mm -hmm. So you kind of get a little, um, like, anxious and stressed, and you just want to get to the end goal, which is throwing and epon and all these things, but there's so many things that come between, you know, taking a bow and and throwing it's every little thing between and and that's the details that i'm working on you know every day in my training and things like that so so with the with this with this mindset have you ever faced a situation where you lost and although you have a competitive spirit and everything but you lost and but you were kind of happy that you did your best does this happen quite often um usually usually if I'm on I'm on like and I can feel it and I'm in a really good sort of state and if it's it's rare that I I lose feeling like I'm sort of uh you know putting all the pieces together the way that I should there are some instances where um you know I felt as though I was doing everything that I should and everything that I could um and I lost in the end and those yeah those those fights are probably the most frustrating where you sort of feel halfway through or near the end something just slightly ticks off and um it doesn't make the fight like come come together but um yeah so that is good uh i I like the fact that you said that when you are on you're on so which means that if you are (laughs) feeling good the likelihood that you're gonna win is very high. Yeah, and I, I think most athletes can can relate. There's sort of 
this feeling that you have in, in your stride and in your movements on, on the day of competition. And when you step back after that day, you, you can acknowledge, you know, that it, it felt, it felt really good. You know, every, every fight, mm -hmm. every, every piece of the puzzle. Um, but, but, but yeah, but there's definitely times where, you know, things don't feel well and you scrape by and you're still able to win. So those are different days as but well. There are also situations where you feel great, but then on the other side, there is a, like a major rival that you already lost. And it's like, now it's time to pay back. There is also the mental aspect. And, and how do yeah. you handle uh, situations like that? I'm pretty sure you face those type of situations. Yeah, I mean, um, usually once you get into the third round, the quarterfinals, the semifinals, your chances of fighting a, a stronger opponent definitely increase. And um, sometimes, yeah, you have you have the stronger side of the pool, things like that. So I think, you know, when I come upon those opponents where whether we're back or forth or where I've never won uh, against them, it's not really something that I shy away from, mm -hmm. like ever. I view it more of like a challenge. Like what what can I produce out of this fight? What kind of judo can I can I, you know, see myself do? Can I prove these things to myself? You know, these these pre um, these predetermined thoughts of like confidence that I can win. Can I prove that to myself? So it's more so viewing it as a a challenge than it is um, something that's threatening. In other words, it doesn't intimidate you. It actually gives another boost of energy to go there and do it. Yeah, I, I would say so. That's great. And the other thing that I, I think is super interesting that you said is we, you always talk about what I can do, challenge myself. In other words, you're really not concerned about what other people say, what the opinion of others is more about what can you do to challenge yourself yeah I, you know i think um all a lot like especially in the last uh the last race to the olympics what kept me going wasn't me trying to prove anything to anybody else i wasn't trying to prove things to like other athletes to other coaches or anything like that it was really just to myself like I really wanted it myself I wanted to prove certain things to myself and I think that's like the purest form of motivation like intrinsic motivation at least for me I know other people they can gather motivation from other other sources and situations but um yeah it's it, I wouldn't have in general come this far as an athlete if if it just wasn't always coming from me, uh, the motivation, I guess. Now, it was always like that, or you got mature over time and became what you are today as far as this mental aspect? Or since the beginning, when you start competing, like very young age, you had the same feeling? I think I definitely had a very similar feeling. Obviously, over time, I've matured and evolved and sort of restructured things of how I maybe mentally approach certain matches or anything like that. But I, I think that trait of just, you know, really, you know, when I was young, I just really enjoyed being on the mat and I wanted to see how good I could get. And it was always about that. Like, how good can I get? How much better can I get at these things? And how much better can I get at these attacks? Can each time be better than the last? Like I was so 
interested in that kind of a sport and that kind of competition, like more of a competition with myself than I was about, you know, um, the opponent, mm-hmm, I guess. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know, once I started stepping onto the international scene, it was like, you know, I, I want to beat these these major players, but it was more because I wanted to prove to myself that I could, I guess. Yeah, makes sense, makes sense. Uh, that's an excellent mindset, and and uh, it's, it's interesting to see that uh, you always wanted that since the beginning. So, throughout this this journey of getting mature and try new things on the sports, because now you already master, you already know your game, you know where you need to adjust according to the situation. But when you were like in the beginning of the judo journey. Would you insist in certain throws just to try to get better, or you basically try a couple of times and if it didn't work, you move to a different one? Because there's a lot of judo players that they have like mm-hmm. one major throw, and they always search for opportunities to get that throw, right? But in order yeah. for you to to be proficient on that, it takes time, and in the beginning you, you try yeah. a lot of things. So how how was your approach yeah. in the beginning that you were building your game? Uh, since since I was young, I, I had um, a really good coach. His name is is Kevin Doherty, and he he did a really good job at exposing us to all different kinds of techniques: shoulder throws, uchimata, foot sweeps, counters, things like that. So from a young age, I had a good amount of exposure to all different kinds of throws. I think I definitely gravitated to shoulder throws. That's sort of where my my strength was just just as a kid um i mean i did try to integrate uchimata and things like that um but it's just it's just i never found that i could really uh find those things in competition to to execute you know mm-hmm. so i think um yeah i just sort of evolved in that path of of shoulder tech kept going towards that and then slowly came into okay can you do it with two sleeves can you do it from one lapel can you uh integrate things like tayatoshi um things that sort of are true to a shoulder throw movement but you know you can add some variety in to maybe not make it so um stale and repetitive with with the same grip and um as i as i like grew older um yeah the the coaches that i was with they just sort of continued to short sort of shape uh my strengths and add to it and and add things that would make me complement it and and all that kind of stuff yeah yeah it um and, and you talk to you touch on strength when did you start incorporating conditioning strength training to your uh, routine because at the young age you probably were only focused on judo and then at some point you had to okay now is i need to to be, get more stronger i need to start lifting and incorporate uh this type of training yeah um well when i was younger i, I was i wouldn't say that i was doing weight training but i was doing a lot of body weight things so you know, at a young age, I was doing rope climbing, I was doing chin-ups, I was doing push-ups, there was a lot of emphasis on, on this kind of training. Um, maybe when I was about 15, 16 years old, that's when I started to uh, do weight training in a more, like, serious kind of way with the purpose of 
understanding the movements, building strengths, understanding, you know, how to um, like do bench press, do bench press and cleans and deadlifts, all, all that stuff um, in order to, to gain muscle and things like that. So um, yeah, I would say it was around 15, 16 years old. Okay. And for you today, how important it is this type of training? Well, I mean, how you divide your schedule? Do you train judo every day and you lift three times a week, or how is how do you divide that? Um, it's it, it varies. I think it can be two to four times a week that I'm I'm in the gym, and those those kinds of sessions can vary. But I I think that weight training to me is just as important as my training on the mat. I don't think I would mm -hmm. feel um, as strong um, as I do without my weight training, it's something that I like enjoy and I also gain confidence in because you know I it's a very qualitative sort of or quantitative sort of thing. Like you see that you're lifting heavier, you're hitting certain numbers, things like that. Um, yep. And. Um when you go to, to Jude, I know that you have a train today uh, mm -hmm. because uh, that's why we, we were able to get this time frame. Yeah. Um, today is probably judo, right? Later on? Uh, yes, tonight tonight we're, we're going to do judo. And yeah. um, you prioritize technique, you prioritize Uchikomi, you prioritize Randori, or all of those at the same on the same day? Um, every day is a little bit different. Uh, so it's, it's usually a mix of technical training, some situational drill training, like things at a higher intensity. Um, and then there's also randori, um, all that kind of stuff. But I think every player is different. You know, I, there's some players on our team here who prefer randori and that's, that's really what's going to make them feel good. That's where they're, um, that's their pathway to you know make their training successful and although I do like Randori and I absolutely need Randori to feel good as well and to uh, know that I can execute certain things I also really enjoy technical training mm -hmm. um, and that's also where I put a lot of my um, focus and attention. One of the things that uh, I saw leading to Tokyo was that the female Japanese uh, Olympic team was doing cross training. They were actually training jujitsu uh, to mm -hmm. get better on the waza. Um, uh, Uta Abe was doing a bunch of uh, jujitsu in, in the prep, and you saw that they uh, had a lot of uh, matches that they finish the waza. Uh, how emphasis do you do to the waza? Um, I think we try to do. Um... A relatively fair split of working on Tachuaza versus Neuaza. Um, would I say it's 50-50? No, obviously majority of matches are done in, in Tachuaza, but I would say a lot of my focus and attention goes towards transitions and just a more realistic version of, of Neuaza in competition. Um, you know, sometimes Neuaza Randori can not be true to how people really scramble on the ground during a during a tournament mm -hmm. so uh that's that's generally where the the focus is and i i think that's fair to say well i don't know and for sure internationally but i think more um 
attention is being put towards transitions as well so yeah train different type of situations uh of counter and and everything because even on on the latest uh this year's wars there was a lot of finish uh, on the ground and it feels like it's growing a lot i'm not sure if it's because there are more matches that are fin there are more matches that are finished on the ground meant for japanese they really like to finish on the ground um yeah I have noticed that uh, a, a lot of matches are. I, I actually have noticed that, you know, I get also get more time on the ground. So I think their refs. Yes, are, exactly. Yep. Yeah. So I think their refs are understanding, you know, that, you know, certain situations can evolve on the ground. And I think they're giving more time to let the athletes explore that. Whereas before it was sort of like you get one shot to try something and it's over mm -hmm. um now you're sort of seeing people try one thing and slowly it turns into another and then there's a score so i think um that's sort of uh the shifts that you're kind of seeing like and why maybe more matches might be ending on the ground and as far as cross training do you see do you also have that a lot in canada like uh, judokas cross training with jiu-jitsu or not really it's more like just judo it's not typical i think um you know i've been i've done a little bit of jiu-jitsu but i wouldn't say that what i've learned to do on the ground came from jiu-jitsu i think uh jiu-jitsu can really help you know like have more spatial awareness on the ground i think it can help you understand um you know how to defend certain things and you know, if you're rolling one way, what might come next, those kinds of things. But um, it is still kind of like a different sport in the way that I haven't taken techniques necessarily from, from jiu-jitsu. But you don't, of, that's, official, that's of course, yeah, yeah. But officially you don't train jiu-jitsu. You never, you don't really go. No, yeah. no. I mean, I, I've done it, but not, not in a serious context, just you know i've tried it and maybe learned a couple drills or things like that so cool cool yeah yeah that's that's very interesting and uh i really enjoy watching some bit of this cross training now um this year when you got bronze at the the words um in 2021 you actually won when you started the 2022 and you you had your first match i know that uh, you said that you always try to do your best but the back of your mind you came with any pressure to be the current world champion or you just you know put everything aside and say oh well, this is a new competition i really don't care about what i did last year <laughs> uh yeah i didn't really enter the competition feeling like i had anything extra on my shoulders obviously it was something I acknowledge you can't not acknowledge that but um, I think I compartmentalized that pretty well I wasn't you know fighting with any added stress because I was the current world champion um, yeah and it was this prep for this uh, worst 22 better than the 2021 because 2021 it was right after COVID and everything right so this year what theoretically supposed to be a little better prep was it um i mean definitely there was more um i guess flexibility with 
with schedule and with planning and and things like that um last year it wasn't even sure if I would even go to the world championships like I we really did not know uh how it was going to be decided uh who would represent Canada at at the Olympics so you know there was more time to anticipate this world championships and more time to plan and things like that but um I think every prep is a little bit different Mm -hmm. and I mean I've only done maybe four or five world championships so you know every like I said every prep is is different so I'm not really sure if I can say if it was better or worse or this or that um I stuck to the plan and I did you know what I had to do in order to finish the prep and and go there that day um, but again, when but, you enter the, the that competition and after the first match, you were feeling pretty good, right? Um, well, if I'm being honest, I I could tell that I wasn't feeling as good as I had hoped. But when you're going through a competition like that, it's it's really important to not let. Um, you know the way that you feel totally interfere with how you're performing mm-hmm. but that's much easier said than done because you know I did sort of I did sort of experience that you know I I wanted to execute certain things that I didn't in my first and in my second match and that sort of led me to the third match um the quarterfinals where I'd lost and um I you know could have continue to like sulk in that feeling of why am I not executing certain things um but um yeah I kind of had to again similar to the Olympics I just had to understand that you know in this next match it's there's a winner and a loser and I have to make sure that it's me and it kind of gave me that extra sort of um motivation and boost and I would say that the last two fights of that world championships I felt um, more like myself and better than I did the first half of the day awesome and and mm-hmm. what is the plan uh, moving forward um, what are you training you're gonna compete you still compete this year is pretty much done I think and then now the is really looking to to next year so what is the plan now uh, now the plan is to uh i will go to japan for the plant this is supposed to happen i'm supposed to go to japan and train and um uh, i'll be gearing towards masters at the end of the year and it's a little bit of a different you know the next eight nine months are going to be a little bit different because we already have another world championship so it's going to be really important to uh, make sure that i'm balancing you know two world championships within eight months and also fitting some competitions between but also resting enough and also training hard enough so um and then, I think, and then there is the olympics again <laughs> yeah 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 just like right around the corner so it'll be a quick a quick couple of years yeah i mean with with such a tough schedule of competition training and like big competition not something small what is your recovery routine do you do anything special to recovery cryotherapy do you do anything to you know keep yourself healthy um 
I don't do any sort of specific treatments, but I do see a osteopath once or twice a week, and I do sort of get massages if they're needed, um, like sports massages. But um, yeah, I've never sort of um, like got into the routine of using hot and cold baths and saunas mm-hmm. and this and that. I do like them, but uh, they're just not, you know, a, a big part of my recovery. But routine. probably, as far as nutrition, you stay clean all year long when it comes to diet. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, there there are times when you kind of have to like take a break yeah, because course, yeah. you know, always eating the same way, like three hundred and sixty-five days a year, it's gonna feel a little repetitive. Um, but yeah generally you know i would say 80 percent of the year i'm eating a certain way and you know looking at food as something that fuels my performance rather than something because you know, because you don't have, really don't have to, to cut about. weight right you don't need to cut weight for the competition do you uh i don't cut too much weight but you know i i still have to lose a few kilos so but it, it's nothing that's difficult because i i try to stay as low as possible in my I guess non not competitive mm-hmm. when I'm not competing right. I, I don't I try not to get too high so yeah that's a good strategy because a lot of people they get they they are going up and down all the time and mm-hmm. and it puts a really it's really hard on the body mm-hmm. but I think that this happens more on the heavyweight or medium heavy things like that where they have to probably walk all year long with 10 kilos or f- five kilos more than usual and uh which is not your case no 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 but i think it is like a little bit um you know the heavier you are the more weight you can lose before a competition the lighter you are you know you you can't maybe get as high but maybe four or five kilos to a lightweight is the equivalent to like eight nine kilos as a heavyweight so it it's sort of like that i think where um yeah the heavyweights mm-hmm. they they might sit heavier but they can also cut more i think now one last question here uh, before we wrap up um mm-hmm. about nerves uh, and I, I always love to ask this question to all athletes that i interview because i i've seen a pattern of answer uh and i just want you to check with you with so much experience how is your do you get nervous before a competition? And if you do, do you think it's normal to get nervous? You, do you control this anxiety? Or for you, it's just like entering the match to train? Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say that I get nerves, that I get butterflies. I think I kind of anticipate the day a lot. So I start to maybe overthink the day or the competition day. Um but not not so much anymore i think now things are very routine to enter a competition um like i said um before i sort of view you know maybe difficult situations or um nerve-wracking situations i kind of shift that into something that's exciting and something that's challenging and i i don't you know look at um, big tasks with a negative sort of connotation of what could go wrong and what I absolutely need to do. 
I try to spin everything as something that's like positive, something that can challenge me, something that's going to really push me. Um, I mean, I remember when I was younger and I would be nervous and coaches would say, well, that's a good thing. It means that your, your body and your mind is getting ready. And it means that you're, you know, sort of alive and ready to fight. And that was something that helped me when I was younger or, um, you know, you can view the way you feel as stress or you can view it as excitement. So, um, those are maybe, you know, some things I was told when I was younger that sort of might have helped shape me to, you know, not be so nervous today, but yeah. Even on that, uh, Olympic where you, you enter to get the bronze and you said, okay, I want to bring back a medal. I need to do my best at that point. It was all or nothing. Were you with the same calm mentality, focus? Um, yeah, I would say that, like, I walked into that fight knowing that I had to do, like, at, at the end of the day, that fight was just another fight that I had to win. So it was just exchange by exchange, imposing myself and, and, and doing the things that I needed to do. Of course, if I took a step back and was like, oh, my God, this is like, mm-hmm. you know, the, such a big opportunity, blah, blah, blah. Like, I I prefer or maybe I'm lucky that naturally I just I don't I don't care what this result means for anybody else. So it was just about me. And what do I need to do? I need to just do my routine and keep imposing myself and, and things will naturally happen like that. So that's amazing. Yeah. Mainly when you are <laughs> on the situation like that representing a country and you like able to isolate all those things and just focus on that at that moment. It's it's really it's really something that not everyone is able to do and it, it takes time to get that way. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure that uh, you've been working over time to get better on this because as you said when you were young you did get nervous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, I think everyone might have their different um, approach to um, stressful situations like that. So that's just mine. Whereas another athlete might totally excel with, you know, under like acknowledging the bigger picture, acknowledging that you know this is for their country and this has never been done before and you know, I, I can, you know, pave the path for mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. But um, it was not. It's almost like you say, I'm was... going to put all the drama aside, <laughs> you know, yeah. and I'm just going to focus on judo, yeah. right? Yeah. It, it, it And it really wasn't about that for me. It was about, you know, what I've, you know, I've been involved in the sport since I was four. It's just, I love this sport and I want to just keep doing my best and keep, trying to get better and that was just another stepping stone along the way to you know prove that to myself so that's amazing i i absolutely love that thank you very much for sharing uh this insight uh honestly very different from many answers that i receive so <laughs> but it's a good thing it, uh, it brings a different perspective this, this is great yeah. you know um so thank you very much cool. for for sharing this because Even when we think about uh, someone like Ono Shoi, right? I was reading mm-hmm. an interview that he said that he was super nervous at the the finals uh, in the Olympics mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. he said the pressure on his shoulders was really big. Yeah, you know. Yeah, 
and uh, other people they carry that pressure to the mats yeah 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 I think you know everyone is so so different that we're all gonna have our different approaches and our different routines and our different mindsets and that's that's what's really cool especially in a combat sport because it's you know mindset against mindset mm -hmm. so that's what makes it interesting yeah all right Jessica thank you very much for taking the time uh, on your busy schedule to record this uh, I truly appreciate I hope that you have a, a great uh, prep for your upcoming uh, masters and I uh, hope to see you again on the Olympics uh, next year Thank you so much. I really enjoyed our conversation. Yeah, thank you. All right, everyone. Thank you very much for joining today's podcast. Uh, stay tuned. We have more.